MCs and OC. Y'all know what it is. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. And a few inches, your players on the bench. The coaches start to huddle when you need a thirst quench. Oh, see, throwing hands, one a million in the squad. Lorenzo hit the league, 15 years on the job. Made the Pro Bowl twice. Your boy go nice, Zachariah on the fadeaway. Represent the day to day, struggle and the grind. Keep the hustle on your mind. We balling on the court, read the signs of our times, whether cultural or politic, chopping up the lotto pit, get it popping, partner when we weaving in and out of it, it's on topic, in sync, tell you what we think, let the thoughts link, let the truth sing, yeah, yeah, let the thoughts link, yeah, yeah, let the truth sing. Welcome to the break. Damn, this is where the game found analytics first. Two Z's and OC. Welcome to the break. Damn, this is where the game found analytics first. Down. Been one of those weeks so far. Why? Christmas is coming up. I know. All right. Well, welcome on into the program. My wait, wait, wait. Oh, what's up? Make sure I just joined, so make sure you re-record. I did. I did. We're yeah, gonna, we already talked about it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna start with that. Welcome on into the program. It is Lorenzo Alexander, Sean the Real OC O'Connell, and yours truly, Zachariah. You can follow us on all platforms at the number two Z's and OC, Instagram, Twitter, and then wherever you get your podcast. Go follow, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. We're gonna start right where OC, uh, making sure that I'm recording now. I'm kind of like Leon from that Bud Light commercial, and I place the blame squarely on the shoulders of my teammates. Uh, not all my teammates, because Zoe didn't do anything wrong, but what happened, what had happened was <laughs> I sent the call out to both Zoe and OC. Now, Zoe joined right away, so I yeah. hit start recording. OC joined like five minutes later. To all you people out there recording on Skype, just know when someone joins late, you have to hit record again because all I had was five minutes of me and Lorenzo. But by the way, I'm going to make like a blooper cut up, so that'll be included in it. So it's not all for not, but our entire episode, it is partly my fault. I'll take like 45% of the blame and I'll put 55 on OC. Wow. I mean, I guess I'll take it. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> well, I just didn't know you. I, Zoe was you telling me. Show, yeah. Yeah. Zoe was make telling sure me it's a legal thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes yeah. sure you don't get sued, man. Even though you sent that out together, I got on first. We talking, and then here he jumps in. Got to make him aware you're being recorded, bro. Is it all right? Hit that record button again, so you don't get sued. They actually protecting your pockets, Zach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To all you kids, you were gonna sue me. <laughs> you're gonna take my house in the Berkeley Hills. I'm gonna take. That house Ooh, in the park. that's a lot of money up there, man. Hey, that's got to be tough to build. I've been having designs on that house for years and years. Ever since I you let me crash the first time, I was like, I'm eventually going to own this. Yeah, true story. So he had a late flight, and I actually literally put a mint on his pillow when he stayed at my crib. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom, for some reason, likes him. I don't know why she likes him. She bought him brand new pillows for his stay. She's like, no, OC can't have yeah. these pillows. She well, bought yeah. brand new pillows for him. <laughs> She's an absolute saint. Just a wonderful human being. I just don't know why she likes your shit-eating grin. Anyways, on Twitter, he's at one man gang 97 He is at Real OC Sports. I'm at Zach Sports, Z-A-K Sports. Gentlemen, before we get into sports... 
my old ass, and we are pretty much the same age. So I'm hoping y'all got into this. Now, you couldn't really do it with the kids. Uh, OC, your kid's probably not old enough to really even know what's being said. But Zoe, I'm assuming you could, probably couldn't have watched this with your kids because they are old enough to know what was yeah. being said. But the verses between E-40 and Too Short, all the love from the Warriors. I love when the Bay gets shined because the Bay is kind of like the redheaded stepchild to L.A. Like, let's keep it real. They've got Hollywood. They've got all that stuff. Yeah. But the Bay had the platform, and I know my 36-year-old ass was rapping every lyric to both Short and E-40. Now, again, Zoe, probably something you couldn't watch with the kids, but did you get a recap of it at all? Yeah, I got a recap. You know, obviously social media, then all my homeboys, you know, on whether it was Twitter or Instagram, you know, kind of just throwing up highlights and stuff. So, yeah, like you said, it's really cool anytime the Bay gets to shine because people feel like, you know, we don't have our own culture or our own, you know, trends. And a lot of times... We set them, and then it gets somewhere else. They think it started somewhere else. No, no, no. It started in the Bay. Y'all yeah. might have switched it up a little bit, but we started that joint. So uh, it's always cool, especially two icons, you know, legends in short and 40. You know, I grew up on their music. So, and, of course, yeah, I can't watch that with my kids. I, <laughs> I'm having a hard enough time getting my daughter from singing, uh, what is this song, Renegade or Savage? Who was it? Uh, Megan Thee Stallion? I, you know. So I definitely can't get her on 40 and short. I definitely be having... <laughs> Conniptions over here going at her all the time because it's just good music, but some of the words obviously is beyond her right now. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, <laughs> fellas. So what what you are talking about was a blip on the Twitter radar, and that is it for people out here. But I'm being educated right now. I'm actually unaware of this bias against the Bay. And it's probably because I grew up, my grandparents for a time in my childhood lived in the Bay. They lived in San Jose. I grew up a 49ers fan, and so like We've always had this affection and affinity in my yeah. family for the Bay. And obviously, I lived out there for a short time. But, like, yeah. I had no idea that people give L.A. more credit oh, yeah. than the Bay. Because the yeah. Bay is it, where the rich culture is at right. and where it comes from. And we have to clarify this, okay? So, you know, it's that old, what is it, Chris Rock's stand-up, you know. When you say the Bay, to your point, what you're talking about, most people say San Francisco. You cross that bridge and you enter the Oakland... <laughs> It's a different a vibe different. now. Yeah. It's a little bit For different. Sure. That's what me and Zach are talking about. The <laughs> yeah. East Bay. Not that peninsula over there in San Francisco and all the love. Marin. Kids, yeah. Marin, the Golden Gate and all that. We're well, talking about Oakland, Berkeley, Richmond vibe, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, that's the vibe we're talking about that gets absolutely no love and overlooked, you know. And you just see all the talent from entertainment to sports. Music, whatever, whatever you want to look at, just a plethora of talent and impact that that little bit of area, those three cities, you can even add a couple more in there that have really made on mainstream media and really in a lot of different avenues. That was the beauty of the verses was too short and E40 while they were doing their thing and, you know, they were drinking and smoking. So it got a little out of control towards the end, <laughs> as it tends to do with a lot of these verses. Right. I saw who right. was it? It was DMX and Snoop, I think, and, you know, yeah. as the verses get further and further down the line, you know, the alcohol and the weed starts to take an effect. But they spent a long time. And this is the part that I loved. They spent a long time of that versus, you know, probably a, it was like two and a half hours, I think, something like that. And they probably spent a good 15 minutes letting everybody know because people were tuning in from everywhere, right? So the people from the Bay know. But they were letting everybody know just so you know exactly what you said, Zoe. You might have thought that thing originated from there. No, 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 no. That came right. from over here. The hyphy movement, the whistle for shizzle, all that stuff. Like, right. all that stuff came from the – and there's so much stuff from the Bay that, like, OC, oh, you might not know about it because in Salt Lake – 
you might think that the Bay is held in this regard, but in general, it gets pushed to the side, and ultimately, people end up getting credit for something that originated in the Bay. That's really fascinating to me. I did not, like, I'm actually learning right now because I have always assumed that, and this probably makes me sound hyper-ignorant, but, like, when we talk about Black culture and how that's so often imitated and people try and replicate it and all that stuff, oh yeah, I've always assumed that what we clarify or what we quantify as black culture in our country either originated in the South, Atlanta, or in the Bay. Like, I thought that Oakland especially was known as, like, the black center of culture in America. Nope, nope. nope. Yeah. I mean, we yeah, know I mean, it gotta, here. Since you threw that out there, you, we can't forget about Brooklyn and New York and, oh, and their sure. impact. Sure. Well, he just he just said it. I'm just trying to help him out. Yeah, what, to your ignorance, I mean, you just said the South and the Bay, and you got Brooklyn, which is probably one of the the spots. Yeah, but the difference is, black. though, Brooklyn in the South gets credit for it. The, the yeah, Bay yeah, is right, the yeah, only yeah, spot yeah. where stuff right. originates there, and it just goes by the wayside. Oh, it gets yeah. swept under the yeah. rug. Right, right, right. Yeah, like, that point, yeah, correct. I was trying to help OC out. I'm trying to educate him and let him know about <laughs> Oh, York. yeah, New York is where it all started. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, again, you should come and do seminars. Your wife's from here. You should come and, like, do seminars in the state of Utah, just so, like, the rest of us. I actually am. I mean, recently my friend has works for this new bank. I think it's called Zion. It's a pretty big bank in Utah. Yeah, it's and like the new DEIB, the diversity inclusion. I'm actually going to be coming to speak to the Zion, you know, CEO and their whole like administrative staff at some point. We're going to probably be on Zoom, but I am doing something like that in Salt Lake since you mentioned it. That's so that's crazy because like one of my best friends from childhood, his dad is one of those guys you're going to be talking to. He's okay, he's cool. So, like, yeah, it all comes full circle. This is all small That's what's up. And speaking of Zion, shout out to Zion I, who does our intro. One more thing before we get into football, and one last thing on the versus front. E40 posted this thing where it said, everybody the age 35 and over when they were watching versus last night. And it was just these dudes, and it just reminded me of like what me and my friends would be doing if it wasn't for COVID or what we did do when we were in high school and college, like right. just, you know, dancing and rapping along. Yeah. And, and, and it hit me because it was like everybody 35 and over. And I'm like, damn, I'm getting old. And so I, I can only imagine how they feel. They were going back to when they were selling tapes out of the trunk. Anyways, it was fantastic. One more non-football thing before we get into the NFL. The NBA is starting tonight, gentlemen. I don't know if anybody yeah. knows that. Uh, it feels like the Lakers just won the title with their non-real celebration and no parade. Kind of not a lot of fanfare, but in the end, LeBron's going to get credit for that title. It's going to be added to his title total. And now he's going to try to repeat with Anthony Davis. They both re-up with contracts. I think the Warriors-Nets matchup is more interesting than the Lakers-Clippers matchup. But with the Clippers not making the Western Conference Finals and the NBA starting again, gentlemen, I mean, as much as we suffered that long period of time of not having sports, we've got a whole shit ton of it yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to that point, NHL is starting early next month. So, January, I mean, yeah. We're going to be overloaded. But, yeah, I mean, we're getting a lot of it out here. I mean, obviously the Phoenix Suns have a lot of hype, you know, with Devin Booker adding CP3, trying to get the answer. What do you make of that move, Zoe? The Suns traded a young piece and Kelly Oubre, who actually ended up going to the Warriors, but right. I felt like bringing in CP3 at his age, even though he's still good and he's going to be able to mentor the players, I just don't know that the Suns are at a spot, and you know that's my squad, I don't know that they're at a spot where adding a guy, like CP3 would go more to a team that's a championship contender to push them right. over the edge. I don't know that adding him to a young team while the mentoring will help, I don't know if it was a yeah. great move. What'd you make of it? 
Well, I mean, I think it's to that point, right? They're trying to learn how to be a champion. And if you don't ever have anybody that has won one or been in that vicinity of being a I know CP3 hasn't won one or been to that elk. He's been to, you know, he's won a gold medal. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer walking around in that building and knows how to lead. You need somebody like that to kind of show you at least the blueprint of this is how you at least make yourself eligible, right, to even yeah. talk about winning a championship. And so what that mind frame looks like, especially when you think about they are a young team, and there's not, no real clear leader. Obviously, Booker is a baller, and he can go out there and do it. But he's not getting DeAndre Ayton. Like, he has to continue to step up and mature big time. Number one and pick. They picked him over Donkic. Right, right. That and so that's a big day. talk. And he's gotten better, but, like, from a mentality standpoint and how he dominates consistently on a night-by-night -night basis, that hasn't been up to par. And that's why CP3 is here. Because they had a great, obviously, bubble when 8-0, didn't get in. But now they have a lot of hype around and they're missing that leadership perspective to help them get over the hump. Now, whether, you know, they actually going to be real contenders, that's something different. But it's all about future with CP3, not like right now. The curious thing for me about that is how does Devin Booker in particular, how does he react to somebody who's got more cred than him, who is, like you said, I know the, the future Hall of Famer walking around, but maybe not quite at this point as productive or talented as Booker himself is, how does he react to someone coming in and telling him how to work, telling him how to get yeah. things done? Well, it's not even really about Booker. It's more about Aiden. I mean, Booker's an all-star caliber player and plays at an elite level. He's there for more of a mentorship. I don't think CP3, I mean, obviously I'm here locally, so I hear all of people's media, you know, the interviews, and CP3 is not necessarily coming in here to take over. He's coming in here to obviously play basketball, number one, and then to help where it is needed. And so I'm pretty sure Booker's going to come up to him at some point. It's like, well, what do you think about this? Or how do you do like this? A couple of weeks ago, he sat down with Aiden and watched game film. You know, it's all about angles. You know, just starting to educate guys. Stuff that happens when you're good teammates. But by no means are they, like, crowning CP3 as the face of the franchise and, like, hey, Book, you need to slide over while we have this future oh, Hall of Famer. That's not the vibe at all. It's more about growth. How do we get to that next level, getting into the playoffs? And then ultimately, what can I learn from you to then be a dominant guard, right? Not just an all-star, but a dominant. Where people talk about, you know, whether it's a Chris Paul or a Stephen Curry or whoever they made of the beard, whoever they throw out, you also talking about Devin Booker in that same breath, right? Damian Leonard. I mean, when you say them, you say, oh, Book, too. Don't forget about Book. I think that is more why CP3 is here versus, you know, them winning a championship. But Chris Paul, like, gets after people on the court. Chris Paul. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's like an instructive-type teammate, right? And need some it. of these younger generation guys who've always been the man. And Devin Booker, his, he's already graduated into this all-star caliber level, right? So you got to thread the needle a little bit where Chris Paul needs to understand that, yes, you're here for a leadership role, but with that guy – you might have to communicate a little bit differently right. than when you've been the man at every other franchise. Yeah. It's, it's going to watch it all play out. I, I think they've yeah. got a lot of promise as a franchise. Though. Right. Yeah, and they're aware of all that. I think they've said it. But, yeah, go ahead, Zach. I know you want to transition, man. We want to talk hoop, man. No, it's all good. I'm, I'm actually going to transition into the first game of the doubleheader to start the season, the Warriors and the Nets. We all know what happened with KD. He comes over from OKC after losing to them. Up 3-1, I believe, but then the Warriors lose the title because Draymond kicked LeBron in the nuts, and then KD signs with the Warriors. They win two out of four years, I believe. And obviously, KD had a horrible injury in the finals against the Raptors, and then 
He signs with the Nets. There's all this talk about how he had to join the Warriors to win a title. Now he's doing his own thing with Kyrie, who I don't even want to get into Kyrie because, good God, that, <laughs> that, that guy gives me a headache just when he opens his mouth. Yeah, what's his latest thing? What's his latest rant? Uh, oh, who knows? Right he talks about, about it. Flat and oh, then, uh, yeah, and, and his parents raised him so that he, you know, it, it's an art, and he's like Da Vinci out there, and he's just, he doesn't want to speak to the peons or the, I forget what he called the reporters, whatever. <laughs> sheep. Yeah, sheep. Anyways, so he joins Kyrie, and now he's playing against his former team. I just wonder, though, from a player perspective, going against a team that you used to play for, is there any more, you know, everybody talks talks about extra motivation. Yeah. I would assume that everybody's uh, always ultra motivated, but is there extra motivation in there? It's all about how you leave. I mean, and I don't think there was any ill will because he came in and they won championships, right? It's not like it got blown up because of personalities and they couldn't get along. And maybe, in ter- you know, behind closed doors, maybe there was a little bit of that. But they won championships. He got hurt and he was ready to move on anyway. He made that choice to go. So I don't think that he's going to be extra motivated. I think he's going to be motivated because he has his first opportunity to play ball in a year. Right. And so I want to get out there and show guys that, hey, I can still ball. So I think that's going to be more of his mindset tonight versus, oh, let me get revenge on the Warriors because of X, Y, Z. I really didn't like Curry when we were there. So let me do him in even though we won. Do you think that it's important to him to win a championship without the Warriors because a lot of people gave him flack for joining the team that had the best record in the regular season? Do I think it's I think he wants to win another one. I don't think he cares because he already, what does he have, two or just a one? Two. Did he get two? So, they won back to back. But he could have re-signed. So if you're saying that it's not important for him to win outside of the Warriors, he could have just re-signed with the Warriors. If Durant was yeah, on the but- Warriors right now, they'd be the favorites. He might have wanted to do something different. I mean, I'm just saying that he had that opportunity to sign back. Is it important to him? Like, where is it in his hierarchy, right? That's what you're saying. I don't think just the way he speaks and talks, he needs it to validate him as a basketball okay. player in okay. the same way maybe like LeBron maybe did. Or maybe even LeBron didn't, but just that whole pressure around him. I think a lot of those things when people start talking, it's more of an outside looking in type of thing of, oh, how he should feel versus how they really feel. Okay. Like, I've got two championships. I'm one of the best players ever to play this game. Yeah, I would like to win more. I want to win more. But if I don't, that's not going to diminish who I was and what I did and what I accomplished. Yeah, I just think that if championships were the only thing that he cared about, he would have re-signed with the Warriors. And I think that it is important for him to show that he can win without them. But I could be wrong. OC, where are you on that? First of all, I'm a huge Kevin Durant fan. He's probably my favorite player. Amazing. He's amazing. Him and Damian Lillard, neck and neck for my favorite players in the league. But I think he has one of the most complicated legacies of the great all-star players of this generation because of what you're talking about, right? Where people want to take some credit away from him for joining the front runner and winning his championships that way. Also, I think Kevin Durant started off caring a lot what people thought about him. And that's why his outward persona was for several years when he was young, was kind of this just like humble, aw shucks. And then I think he got sick of it, and he became a little bit of a heel, became a little bit of a villain, and did the burner accounts and all that stuff because he still still cares what people think about him. And I do believe that it's important to him to go to Brooklyn and say, I'm happy with the championships that I got. But I'm going to be one of these guys who wins championships with multiple franchises because that is now the bar that has been set for the greats of my generation. Like, 
No one's comparing him to Michael Jordan. We all get that. But he compares himself with LeBron James. And LeBron James has now delivered championships to three different franchises. So I think that it's important to him to at least be on that level where I got rings for a couple different cities. Plus, when you're young and you're rich and you have a couple hundred million dollars to burn, living in New York City is something that's appealing to a lot of people. So I think all of that kind of goes together where Kevin Durant felt this was the best move for him in his career. And I love that he's unapologetic about it. I love that he's gotten to the point now where he's just like, this is what I want to do. Now, Kyrie's probably going to stand in his way on some things, and I'm not happy about that. But I hope he wins a title in Brooklyn. Yeah, I think ultimately I can't help but think that he, because of the burner counts that you mentioned and because of how sensitive he seems to be about what people say about him, I can't help but think that if winning championships was the only thing that he cared about, like Zoe said, then I think he would have stayed with the Warriors. No, I think he's specifically- saying, I didn't say that the only thing he cares about is winning championships. I didn't say that. Okay. I said he, it doesn't, it's not like he's out, oh, I got to win another championship without these guys. Because it's gonna then validate me. That's I know what I, I want to win. A, I, That's I, I, what I, think. Win a, I don't think he's like he's gonna validate me. He may hear what people are saying and it may bother him or whatever. But I think he's still at his core. You don't become a great player based on what other people think. It may affect different people differently. But at his core, he just wants to win another championship because he's a dominant apex predator type dude. When he's out there on the court, he wants to be the best. Now, does that add a little fire fuel? Like, okay, and I'm gonna show him I can do it by myself. Is that an extra on top of it? Sure, I'll give you that. But that's not the foundation. He did not not sign back with the Warriors and then sign Brooklyn and then just just to show people that he can win without them. We know he can win without them. He's done it. He's led teams. You know, obviously he was up 3-1 on the Warriors at one point and obviously lost, but we know he can do it. So I just think that at the foundation of him, as far as who he is and what he wants to accomplish, it's about being the greatest. Now, other things can pour over into that and add fuel to the fire, but you don't become the top tier players without being intrinsically motivated and passionate about your skill set and what you do. And that the other things happen. I mean, just like Jordan didn't have to, but he made up stuff. Right. But that wasn't at his core. Oh, I can't do this. That wasn't at his core. His core is I want to be the greatest. Yeah, I, I hear you. I just, you know, again, I feel like he wants to show because he got so much flack for joining the Warriors, even though, I mean, he won back-to-back titles. I mean, LeBron got flack for going to the Heat. He won back-to-back titles. How do you get flack for going somewhere and winning? Anyways, we're going to stay in football, but it's going to be college and not the pros. We would be remiss without going to OC, our Pac-12 expert. The Ducks beat USC. Dabo Sweeney and Clemson whoop up on Notre Dame. Notre Dame is kind of like the Titans, Zoe. I talk to you all the time about how... They've got like the parts and the pieces and they can look good here and there, but ultimately you don't trust to get over the hump and actually do the whole thing. And they got whooped up by Clemson once they had Trevor Lawrence back. And Dabo Sweeney, this is how ridiculous the rankings have gotten and how much of a joke pretty much college football has been all year long. But I want to ask OC, Dabo Sweeney has Ohio State at 11. Behind Coastal Carolina, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Georgia, Florida. His point being they could have played early on. The conference chose not to. OC, what do you make of Oregon beating USC? You said there wasn't going to be a team in the top four anyway, so I guess it doesn't really matter. And then just the general rankings and Notre Dame, despite getting slapped up, being in the top four. Well, look, I mean, Notre Dame beat Clemson the first time out. They got beat up in this last one, as you said, but... The only other compelling entrance into that 
Final Four would be Texas A&M, probably. Yeah, right. who got destroyed by Alabama but beat everybody else. So that's kind of the thing where, like, if you're going to say pish posh on Notre Dame, you have to say pish posh on Texas A&M. If Notre Dame doesn't have a chance to win the title, well, neither does Texas A&M because of the sample size we've already seen. Except, What about Florida? That guy threw the cleat 25 yards and cost Florida. I mean, would Florida be in the top four if it wasn't for that? Maybe, but you don't get to play what if in college football. You got to go back. I love the what if, OC. I'm a big what if guy. Yeah, well, what if you want to play a what if game? What if USC had made the three extra plays necessary to be an undefeated Pac-12 champion? Then are they in that conversation at all? The answer is Well, probably- you told me no. You told me no way a Pac-12 team was getting in. Yeah, and it, they wouldn't have got in, but at least their names would have had to have been mentioned in the conversation. But instead, what happened is USC goes out to a two-loss Oregon team that wasn't even supposed to be in the championship game, that backed their way in because Washington could not play based on COVID protocols. So <laughs> Oregon, a two-loss Oregon team who lost to your Cal Bears – Oh, yes. Yeah, let me just do a little break in there. Funny part about that, about Oregon not wanting to be there, the funny thing that I found with it, I follow Oregon because I got a couple of former teammates that coach up there, and they, like, just stunting with the trophy, like Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, we earned this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's hilarious to me. (laughs) I know they won the game, but they shouldn't even been in the game, and it's just, like, it's funny to see, like, the social media, like, them just stunting like they did something, like they earned something and should have been there. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not all for the asterisks. Like, I think that the Dodgers won the World Series. I think the Lakers won. But in terms of this Pac-12 championship, this is the biggest example of the COVID asterisks ever. Which is yeah. why it's embarrassing for the conference, right? Because what, what you needed was for the one team that had, like, its full season shortened, yes, but the full slate of what they were supposed to play, USC, you needed them to finish it out. But in that game, I don't know if you watched the whole game, they were going tit for tat, back and forth, score for score with Oregon. And then USC would make these crazy mistakes, and the mistakes would come from the team captains. It wasn't like the young freshmen. Oregon has a bunch of freshmen playing. They're the youngest team in the country. So some of their boneheaded mistakes are coming from dudes who are literally in their sixth ever or fifth ever college football game. Talanoa Hafunga, who's going to be an NFL draft pick, and the defensive player of the year in the conference and a multi-year captain at USC tackled a punter, tackled him right after he kicked the ball, extended Oregon's drive. Keaton Slovis is going to be a first-round NFL draft pick someday. He threw, instead of burning the ball, throwing it away, he threw a pick to the an Oregon defender with nobody anywhere, none of his receivers anywhere near him when he was trying to throw the ball out of bounds and he didn't get it all the way out of bounds. It was like, how are you guys – the best players on this team, the ones making these mistakes that are now shooting you in the foot. It was really unfortunate to watch from a USC perspective, obviously, and from a conference perspective, because once again, you're left out of the conversation completely. The highest ranked team in the Pac-12 is like number 20. Yeah. I just love that Dabo Sweeney came out and said, Ohio State, number 11, and that they're going to play him. I think ultimately we're going to no. see Bama versus Clemson, which it feels like we've seen ever since they introduced the playoff. That'll be that. the best game. Something better than that. Clay Helton, USC head coach, much in battle. A lot of people want him out. His final coaches poll, coming off a loss to the University of Oregon, he had his USC Trojans eight spots higher than the University of Oregon. In the <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah, they uh, beat us, but uh, we're eight spots better than them. Like, yeah. Not gonna- <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, 
this whole college football thing has felt like an SNL skit, and it couldn't end any better than Dabo Sweeney about to play the team and saying out loud publicly that that team is ranked 11 when they're in the top four. I just love it. I mean, talk about bulletin board material. What else do you need to tell your squad if you're a Ohio State's coach? Hey, this guy has us at 11, and we're playing them two to three. I love it. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the NFL rapid fire here. I want to start. Let's go backwards, forwards. And start with the Pittsburgh-Cincy game last night. First of all, I all of a sudden, I wasn't really, you know, like you're not paying attention to the TV, but then you hear some certain words, and then all of a sudden you perk up. I was doing that. I was kind of in my own zone, like working some numbers and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden I heard, rest in peace, Kevin Green. And I was like, Ooh. oh, yeah. And I wasn't a Steelers fan. When I heard that, it felt like a piece of my childhood died because Kevin Green represented back in the days when you had jacked up and when you could hit guys and there wasn't a flag for just touching somebody on the side, you know, like Kevin Green was kind of the epitome of that dude that did stuff that would get flagged, you'd get thrown out, you'd get fined, you'd get suspended. He did all of that 20 times in a game. And I don't know if you guys have any more details on what the cause of his death was, but I just know that I perked up and I was like, damn, I mean, dying before 60 is way too young. And he's one of those guys where you say his name and I can picture him immediately. The long blonde locks coming out of the helmet and the hard hits and all that. So I just wanted to touch on that before we get into the games. One of the greats. Yeah, greats in the game. I mean, obviously playing outside linebacker in that 3-4 system, playing for the Carolina Panthers, you know, the Green Bays. And I never played with them, but I played with guys who had played with them. And he's just one of those guys that everybody loved. You know, passionate, fierce, that man's man, grown man type mentality, that old school yeah. football player that everybody yeah. aspired to play to be like. So, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a, a huge loss. And he was coaching still, too. You know, so he still had impact on the game and a lot of young players in his league. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to see a guy, especially, I mean, so young. I mean, 58 football player. And I don't know what happened as far as the death. But, yeah, I mean, you look up, you think, man, that's that's 20 years from now, you know? I, know. I mean, I played 15 years. What did he die of? So, as a football player yeah. that played a long time, you kind of, you like, man, what was it, you know? And was so, it correlated? Yeah. 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 No, sad deal. Do you know where he sits in the all-time sack leaders list by offhand, Zachariah? He's got to be two or three. Two or three? I would have said top 20 at best. He's number three. Yeah. Wow. He's number three. From the linebacker career, position? 160 so, career sacks. So many of the sacks now come from the end. What's well, the same. So you got to think about the system he played in. He's an outside backer, 3-4. So he's more of a rushing. And even though it's like linebacker, just like when Khalil Mack was in Oakland, he was considered a linebacker, but yeah. he's a defensive end. Yeah. You know what I mean? So those... Hang on real quick. Oh, see, how many linebackers are in the top 10? LT's got to be up there. Yeah, probably uh, have. I guess it's too fluid of a situation whether or not you're determining somebody to be a linebacker or a defensive end. I mean, you were in that right. same kind of thing with the Bills, right? I mean, what were you actually right. considered? Because you lined like, up yeah. a lot with your hand in the dirt. Well, I didn't put my hand down, but yeah, I know what you mean. Three, four, when I was with Rex, I was an outside backer, but I would play, We would I would rush on first, second down, and then third down gives you more of that nickel look, what you think is a defensive end, uh -huh. but I would be a linebacker playing defensive end position. And so that's what a lot of those guys would do. They would play outside backer in base fronts, but then be that defensive end on passing downs. And so that's how they got their numbers up. The got top it. 10 are Bruce Smith, 200 career sacks, Reggie White, 198 career sacks. Kevin Green, rest in peace, 160. Yeah. Julius Peppers, Chris Dolman, Michael Strahan, Jason Taylor, T-Sizzle, 
uh, DeMarcus Ware, and then Richard Dent and John Randall are tied at 10. So there's actually uh, – I think I only heard I like two three actual – Two linebackers in there, right? Well, it depends on what you say, because Demarcus yeah. Ware was a linebacker, outside linebacker too, in Dallas for a long time underway. So, it just depends on how you want to categorize them. We've seen Suggs and Ware and Julius Peppers at different different times in their careers, right? Technically, be outside linebackers, but I think that this list, as it evolves and changes, I think that you're going to see a lot more of those guys who are the the outside linebacker rush hands like the. hybrids right i guess it's hybrid so it's i mean when you rattled off that list i heard maybe like what i would consider traditional linebackers like a ray lewis like ray lewis is a linebacker he's not going to get he's an inside i can hear one of those all right fair enough well i mean nothing makes you think about your own mortality than somebody that you grew up watching like i remember i was a big autograph dude like i got amari stoudemire steve nash sean marion a bunch of sons Tim Hudson, Barry Zito. I got like I was a big autograph dude, right. and I remember the first time I didn't ask for an autograph. I was working at the Claremont Hotel on the border of yeah, Oakland and yeah. Berkeley, and LeBron James was there, and he was younger than me. And I was like, "This is the first time I'm not going to ask for an autograph." Like I got Michael Wilbon's autograph, I got Dirk Nowitzki's autograph, but with LeBron, I was I can't ask a dude younger than me. And I felt my mortality then, and then I felt my mortality last night. Rest in peace, Kevin Green. But let's go to the Steelers. Let's stick with them. It was it felt like it was yesterday when the Dolphins' undefeated team was popping champagne because the Steelers lost their first game. They were 11 and 0. Now they're 11 and 3, and not just 11 and 3, though. They lost to the Bungles. The Bungles last night. I mean, there's got to be a concern. This offense, they're not yeah. running the ball. They throw these short passes because Ben's got to get it out quick. The defense is banged up and not as dominant as it was early on. I mean, we were talking about them being in the AFC Championship with the Chiefs, and now, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to make any noise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way they're playing football right now, I mean, they're kind of they're fizzling out. I think RC, as in Ryan Clark the other day, called it fool's gold because you can do all that work early in the season, but if you don't, most people know, especially in the NFL world, if you're not winning in November and December because that's setting you up for playoff football and how you're going to peak at the right time, if you're not playing well then, the first eight weeks of the season, her first half means nothing. Because once you get in, it's all about winning every game. And right now, the way they're playing, the way they are executing on both sides of the ball, regardless if they're healthy or not, which they're not, I'll give them that, they are not going to beat. They maybe, if they can hold on to number two, maybe beat like a Miami. But if it's the Ravens, I would say everybody else, if the Ravens get into Miami's out, I don't see them getting out of the first round. Um, Just the way these other teams are built – way these other teams have been playing in November, December, they seem to be getting better, have an identity, playing solid defense, being able to run and pass the ball. They're just going to be coming up against way more well-rounded teams. Their only saving grace that I'll give them would be because they have plethora of guys that have been in the playoffs. They can, from a leadership way, can correct. And then I have uber confidence, and it will never be shaken in Mike T and his ability to get guys to refocus and redirect when things aren't going well. I mean. I can't add anything to what Zoe said, except they, they still have all of those pieces. It's not one of those situations where like a rash of injuries has decimated them and made this an irreversible course and why they're losing these games, right? People are, for the most part, still healthy enough that their roster is capable of winning. They have the weapons at their disposal. They have the necessary talent to keep winning into the playoffs. And they just got to figure out what has been happening on this skid 
And I guess maybe, you know, maybe it's better to get some of these games out of the way so that you don't have them in the playoffs. But reason for alarm, certainly in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. 11-0 and and then 0-3 in the last three. I, I've lost all confidence in them because I watched them last night and they just didn't look like they could do anything offensively and I just think they're too banged up defensively. But like you said, OC, maybe they're getting the stinkers out of the way and maybe they'll heal up and they'll be good for the playoffs. The Chiefs and the Saints, probably the marquee game of the week. And once again, I sound like I'm beating a dead horse. Can you even say that in 2020 and repeat it, get after me? I sound redundant is what I'm trying to say, I guess. That, that'll be the more politically way of stating it. But the Chiefs just do what they got to do to win. And I swear to God, Zoe, I know you make fun of me every week because I say this, but I swear yeah. Mahomes is just playing around out there and he's just doing what he needs to do to win. I know you think he's trying as hard every single second. I don't yeah. think he is. I think he's out there. He's toying with people. That, that's his what? superpower. That's his superpower right there. What do I need to do to win? And then he does. Chaos. That's his superpower. So he makes you think because he makes it look so effortlessly. He never gets, you know, out of sorts mentally or feels like he's out there just all over the place, chaotic, don't know what to do. That's his superpower. And that's why he's elite. Because most people can't do that when chaos is around him. And he makes even guys like Aaron Rodgers seem like he could be out of sorts, right? That's yep. how talented he is mentally as far as being calm, cool, collected, no matter what goes around him. And so to your point, it looks like, man, he's just messing around playing. He ain't serious. Where in his mind, he's focused, locked in. Okay, we're about to do this, this, this. And obviously it doesn't always work out the way it ought to because you're playing against other NFL caliber quarterbacks. But because he has that calm, cool, collective personality, he has weapons around him, they can always battle back. And they've done it. Just as recently as last year's playoffs. I mean, we was, I was talking about this on, on another show the other day. I mean, they was down 24, down 17, and down 10 in the Super Bowl, right? Nothing ever broke them. And if you don't crack under that type of pressure, when everybody's expecting you to win, when you're playing these regular season games, that's nothing. And that's the ultimate difference. How do people handle or apply the pressure, right? You can either apply it or you can receive it. And when it's put on you, what do you do to then – Throw it back out against the other team. And he has mastered that skill. It's a blessing. It's a gift. And he's using it every single week. And that's why you think he's just waiting to the fourth quarter. Oh, see, he's like the hot chick that doesn't have to try and then tries very minimally just to, get, you know, get whatever needs to get done accomplished. But I wonder if that's going to bite them in the ass in the playoffs because the playoffs are a whole different story and you can only toy around with games so much. I just told you. 24, 17, down by 10. He's already done that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> beyond the point where we could try and compare Pat Mahomes to anything except for an elite quarterback who knows exactly what it takes to win big games, right? I mean, I'm not on board with your theory that he's coasting for three quarters and then turns it on when he needs to. I mean, you're still playing against NFL talent. You're still playing against teams – that are trying their hardest to win. And in this case, you're talking about the New Orleans Saints who might still, depending on how healthy Drew Brees is going to be as we get into the playoffs, they might still be the NFC favorite for a lot of people. So, Do you ever sit by your router I, next whoa, to the wall in that morning room to get a Wi-Fi signal? That's a flag on OC. <laughs> 15 yards, yeah. Sean O'Connell. Salt Lake City, <laughs> talking about Wi-Fi on his computer. <laughs> Were you done with your point? Or, uh, no, I'm I don't know. Are they paying the podcast? Are we getting paid for that? <laughs> Is that a sponsor? 
Is that a sponsor? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that Google Fiber sponsor. I'm definitely not editing that out. Anyways, we proceed. That's amazing. Pop up from the ESPN Kansas City New Orleans Fox <laughs> score page. Uh, look, the, the Chiefs, they're going to win another Super Bowl, and Patrick Mahomes is going to be worth that contract. We're going to call that a discount at the end of the day. Oh, and by the way, he is surrounded by some of the unique talent. He deserves all the credit that we give him, but he's surrounded yeah. by some of the unique talent in the history. Yeah, that goes unsaid, OC. I mean, he, the weapons that he has at his disposal is ridiculous. Like, Travis Kelsey is going to have the league best, in receiving. He, he <laughs> might have the best statistical year for a tight end ever, like, in a, like to the point where no one's ever going to beat it. I, look, I'm a Niners guy. I think George Kittle is the best overall like all-around tight yeah. end football when he's healthy. Rush but, Kelsey, yeah. but, but Travis Kelsey is he's the best receiver in the game right now. So if you got that plus Patrick Mahomes, plus a very respectable running game, plus an offensive line that even down a starter all year long, right? The best Tyreek Hill, tackle in the Sammy game. Watkins, Hardman. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And yeah, 13-1, and one, they're looking like they're going to repeat. I just wonder if all these close games, because I think they've they set the record for most consecutive wins under five points or something like that. So they are kind of playing with fire. We'll see how it shakes out in the playoffs. Now, let's get to a subject near and dear to my heart. You guys always make fun of me. As soon as you're not going to make the playoffs, I think you should tank to get the best pick. And no better example than the New York Jets. Now, I wouldn't want to go 0-16. Like, ideally, if my squad's not going to make the playoffs, they go 1-15. But the Jets have the worst win ever. They beat the Los Angeles Rams in L.A. and then lose yeah. out on the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, who now the Jaguars own. Uh, yeah. Zoe, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, win every like game. Have some, like pride, have some pride. Have some pride. But the now they're losing thing. out on Trevor. It's they're like losing the out on Trevor, Zoe. I get that. I get that from a front office. And so maybe the front office has to put guys, hey, man, we just going with all these backups. We're going to put the practice squad to see what we have. But if you put me out there, it's no way I'm going to say, ooh, I want Trevor Lawrence next year. I'm going to be a part of this thing. So let me <laughs> go ahead and shut Peterman. it down. Let me get let, Peterman, you wouldn't want let Lawrence? Me, let me get embarrassed. Let me get cut. Let me put out some bad film. Players don't think like that. Now, coaches yeah. may, they can manipulate it and have a real vanilla game plan. But even them, even coaches are still showcasing for whoever is going to come in, whoever their next job. They want to have a sound game plan out there and not say, well, they weren't even trying because you were prideful. You put your name on your work every time you step on the field. It's a stupid criticism to say the organization can't even be good at losing. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I, the only way you can do it is just try to put out guys because you know that the season's over and, you, and obviously you want Trevor Lawrence is to then see, let me play lesser guys, deactivate me because if I'm out there, I'm trying to tear somebody's head off and let somebody get some experience that you're not quite sure know who you're going to get. And then you're going to increase your chances of losing the game. But don't start your starters. Don't start the guys that have earned that right to play because they are NFL caliber players. There's a lot of other reasons why they're only 16. But you put starters out there, eventually they're going to find a win and find a way how to make something happen. And they would have done it two weeks ago if it wasn't for, you know, a zero blitz. Greg Williams, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just it's going to happen. It's hard to lose. 16 games because of the talent and just numbers and statistics and the chances of winning. Worst win ever, OC? Look, <laughs> there are probably seven people on the Jets roster 
that are guaranteed starting spots on a roster next year in the NFL. I mean, when you actually go through their personnel, there's just not a lot of established talent on that team. So like Zoe said, all of these guys are playing for their own financial futures, for their next job, for next season, for whatever. You, you can't ask people to tank. And this is a quarterback-rich draft. If they decide to move on from Sam Darnold, that'll probably be better for his career and probably be better for them as an organization moving forward. They're going to be able to get what they need in this draft. You know, I don't even think Trevor Lawrence is the best. Yeah. I was about to say, I was about to even ask you, like, to your point, like everybody's putting a lot of onus on Trevor Lawrence being the greatest thing since Peyton Manning, right? So what about, like, some of these other quarterbacks, whether it's Fields or whoever else is in college, because you watch a lot of college, and they're saying it's a quarterback rich draft. So what, what does it matter if I get – 1A or 1B in this draft. And you just said Trevor Lawrence is probably not even the best in your opinion. I mean, look, if if I'm drafting, I understand why people are so enamored with Trevor Lawrence. He's got all the measurables. He's, you know, steady presence. He's like, uh, he's a little bit more charismatic than Aaron Rodgers, but has that sort of calm demeanor kind of thing going on, right? So, like, he'd be perfect if that's what the Jets ended up with. But Justin Fields is going to be a good starting quarterback in the league. Uh, Kyle Trask from Florida is going to be a good starting quarterback in the league. The Wilson kid from BYU is going to be a good starting quarterback in the league. So, like, you're going to be able to get what you need if it's an absolute franchise imperative that you got to move on from Sam Darnold. I think that Sam Darnold is going to be a successful quarterback in the NFL when he moves on from the Jets. So, um, yeah, like, tanking for a player, especially a player who's – like Trevor Lawrence uh, right now has the best of all things at his disposal. What happens when that guy goes to the Jets in the league? So what happens when a guy goes from Clemson where his offensive line is the best, his wide receivers are the best, his running back is the best, his defense, his defense gets him the ball back. Right, right. What happens when you put that guy with the Island of Misfit toys up in New York it's not necessarily a built-in success. Yeah. Story. So, Joe Burrow, that's what you yeah. get. You get jacked up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you have yeah. to, you know, live under that fire for a year or two. And to your guys' point, you look at Herbert, who was the third quarterback selected in last year's draft, and a lot of people look at him as the best quarterback in the draft. So it might not necessarily be a big thing. I just there was a big hoopla about that being the worst win that you could possibly have but let's move on two more games i know zoe's got to get out of here i want to ask you guys a christmas thing too before we get out of here the dolphins beat the patriots 22 to 12 eliminate new england from the playoffs which is something you never hear the bills and we'll get into them winning their first division since what i was like graduating high school years yeah like something like that later than that yeah yeah, yeah. so a two-part question one and the buccaneers one so i guess a three-part question one, does this solve that Brady was a bigger benefit to the Patriots than Belichick was? Or does Brady just have more talent? And what's going on with New England? And is Buffalo the number two team in the AFC? Because it's sure looking like that with Pittsburgh being on the decline. I would say for your Tom Brady question, I mean, it's just synergy, right? I mean, you have to have great talent, have to have great coaching. And they were so good for so long. Because they had one of the greatest coaches of all time and one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and they established a culture and an environment. Now you break them up, 
Obviously, Tom Brady's not having an uber statistical year, but he's with a lot of talent. And so they're in a position to go to the playoffs. And now you have Belichick out of the playoffs, doesn't have a lot of talent, guys opted out, doesn't have a quarterback really. And so, but they still have a good culture. They still fought. But at the end of the day, this shows you that talent is more important than coaching. But together, if you have a collective unit working talent and coaching, that's when you have, you create your dynasties. That's when you have, you know, your Kansas City Chiefs, right? That's going to be good for a long time. You got to have Reed and Mahomes. You got to have Belichick and Brady. Yeah, yeah. Because if Mahomes was with my man with the Jets, what's what's the head coach's name that's going to get fired? Adam Gase. Uh, Adam Gase. Adam Gase. Mahomes would be successful. But you wouldn't be talking about them being 13-1 and right now Mm -hmm. just because of the structure and the scheming and how the organization is ran, right? Mm -hmm. And people wouldn't respect Gates the way they have respect for Andy Reid. So it takes both to have longevity. But if you want to just break it down, who has more impact is always the player because he's the one out there. I don't care how great your scheme is. If the guy doesn't go out there and execute and doesn't believe in what you're saying fully, it's always going to be – lackluster what about your bills and then oc i want you to respond to both but what about your bills bills mafia my people out in buffalo new york the only football team that's actually in new york are they the number one team that can knock off the chiefs i mean it's looking like it with pittsburgh being so bad i would say right now the way they're playing i mean all these teams i mean i think they're a notch above probably the rest but i mean to be honest i mean I, i love the way the browns are playing i like the colts because all these teams are able to run the ball. The Bills haven't gotten to the point where they can run the ball successfully. And that's probably the only thing that scares me, where they're not doing that at a high clip with Singletary and Zach Moss. But they can score, which, you know, they can throw points up. But if it's super windy, if you're playing in Buffalo or cold or whatever it may be, I know Josh Allen has a strong arm, but can they run the ball they need to to maybe keep Patrick Mahomes off the field? But, Zoe, you don't have them clearly above Pittsburgh, Tennessee, uh, yeah, Indianapolis, I, just said that. I said I think Cleveland. they're a tier above but okay, when it okay. comes to running the ball. I like those other teams. I just don't know if they can run the ball if they need to run the ball. Come on, gotcha. listen to me, man. No, listen. I am. I just okay. I, I wanted to close I, your I, eyes I, and listen. I wanted man. you to make it clear that you had them as the clear number two. Okay, yes, my bad. I didn't on. hear it. All right. I said, the only issue I have with them is running. Yes. You want me to say, I'm gonna say okay. the third time. I got it's running, running, the running the ball consistently. You got it? You got it? Got it. All right. And I think the biggest key to that recipe is do you necessarily take the next step? They're a better team this year, the second best team in the AFC this year. There's nothing really standing in their way, division title, all that good stuff. But do you know how to take it to the next level as a franchise? And they have not proven that yet. So we've we've mentioned that multiple times in past episodes. And that is still to be determined with the Buffalo Bills. So Yeah, uh, lucky for them, everybody else outside the Chiefs are kind of in that same – Right. Far proving himself. Nobody's been proven winner in the AFC side. I mean, outside of the Chiefs. I mean, you think about the Titans. I mean, they lost it when they was up big, right? The Browns haven't been there at all. The Colts haven't been there since Peyton Manning. Who else? The Dolphins haven't been there. The Ravens have been up to they've won, but they haven't done anything with this new regime, you know, right? New quarterback. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so everybody's kind of saying, well, who's who's gonna be able to take that next step? and then be there with the Chiefs on a, on a yearly basis, and maybe you split them kind of like what the Colts and the Patriots do. You know, whoever won that game, because, well, you knew they was going to win the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of where I think the whole AFC is right now. and It's kind of yeah. in flux. I would still put Pittsburgh because of their coach and their quarterback. Haven't oh, been- yeah. Pittsburgh has. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Pittsburgh has for sure. Yeah, so Pittsburgh, you know, as an organization, they kind of know what it takes to get it done now. They're not they doing that. They can't run the damn ball. <laughs> so, so, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, the next time we reconvene, 
Christmas will have passed us, gentlemen. And I want to ask you both fathers. I know OC and you got to be careful with this verbiage. I've learned this on radio. You can't overtly say anything. So I'm going to be delicate with my words here. I know that OC's daughter is young enough to still, let's call it believe. Okay. And so Zoe, what I want to ask you is of all, how many kids you got? Four? I have four. Four. Of the four, let's just phrase it like this. How many still believe, if you will? Probably one. I mean, oh, okay. other, the, uh, my 10-year-old believes because he just wants some more gifts. But my, <laughs> 12, my 12-year-old, she doesn't. Uh, yeah. And then my oldest daughter is 25, so she definitely doesn't believe. So just a okay. six-year-old. He's still rocking full force. And so okay. we try to keep it up. Because, you know, when you have older siblings, they tend to ruin it. Because, I mean, oh, you know, Santa doesn't make this. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, and, even, yeah. and even for me, I have a hard time with it, too. Because, I mean, I'm doing all this work and putting, you know, years off my life. And then I'm going to give credit <laughs> to somebody else. Some white dude. You don't even no want it. So <laughs> magical white dude. Wait, wait. Why can't white Santa, why can't Santa be black? <laughs> wait, Santa can uh, be black? Is he? Additionally, is he? I mean, I know. I, I, he could be I, Asian. Let's not get let's not get into the racial stuff with Santa Claus. What, what country is it? The Netherlands that has Black Peter? Yeah, that's my people. I'm Dutch. I'm Dutch. Those are my people. Yeah, your people. Is is it the Netherlands that has? Is it Black? Yes, Peter? yes, yes. Oh yes. my gosh, that is a horrible, horrible tradition. You you Anyways. need five. You can slide in the homeland and get rid of that. I, 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 I just love, I've never heard a take from a father where Zoe's saying, I don't even want my kids to believe in Santa because I brought these presents in. mf I'm the one that put this food on the table. <laughs> Ain't no Santa getting credit for my stuff. All you kids out there, the magic is real. Santa Claus makes, he knows when you're sleeping and when yes. you're awake. All right. Yes. Which like, is creepy in 2020. It's he, he watches you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. I don't want somebody knowing when I'm sleeping and when I'm awake. Listen for the little reindeer, little reindeer on the rooftop. Okay, kids. Yeah, yeah. Leave the cookies and the milk out. Uh, but in all seriousness, with COVID and everything, what are your guys' Christmas plans? I got best friend, girlfriend, and brother mom duties. So I've got like three different things I got to yeah. do in two days. I'm going to say this. There is a 95% chance that our Christmas plans give me COVID-19. <laughs> wow. I am not. You just wilding out, man. <laughs> that I, many people are meeting up? Time, no. I'm not comfortable with this. But <laughs> so my, my sister-in-law just got back from a semester abroad in London, England. Oh, no. Where they just discovered that new strain of hyper-contagious COVID-19, oh, right? no. Oh, no. She came back with COVID-19. Oh, no. My father-in-law tested positive for COVID-19. Oh, no. no. My mother-in-law tested positive for COVID-19. No, no, no. Yesterday. Oh, no. So now we are hosting the remaining healthy siblings. (laughs) But I know my in-laws very well. Yeah. And there's a virtual guarantee that there will be contact between positive members of the family and negative members of the family before they come to my house. So, so are you going to be quarantined next episode? <laughs> Probably, but okay. the rock and the hard place I'm between is what do I do? I tell my wife, we're shutting down Christmas. Your family can't come over here. No, even the ones no. who have tested, who don't have been tested positive. No, no, you can't do that. Get away with that. Yeah. So yeah. I will be <coughs> on our next episode. 
Sounds good. So what are your plans? Uh, we're just going to have our immediate family. I mean, my family's kind of big anyway. I mean, we got, you know, obviously the three kids or four kids. So we're going to all of us. My daughter's boyfriend, he leaves, so he won't be with us. My mom will be here and then my father-in-law. And so uh, then my cousin lives out here. So we're keeping it fairly tight. But I mean, we're still going out and doing stuff because on Christmas Day, our, our routine is brunch and then we go to a movie. And so uh, we're actually going to go to the movie and see Wonder Woman. Christmas Day and then the night what? before we you do guys got You guys got open movie theaters? Oh, uh, yeah, man. We wide open in AZ. You know, that's oh. the good thing about having a Republican governor. So, oh, man. That's like the number one thing. I was talking about this with my best friend the other day on the phone. The number one thing that COVID has affected me, and, you know, this sounds privileged or whatever, but, like, the biggest yeah. thing is going to the movies. I love going to the movies. Yeah, like, Netflix too. is yeah, cool, yeah. or whatever, but I love oh, yeah. the whole experience whole getting experience, popcorn right. and popcorn a soda, sitting there, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and I wanted to go see Tenet really bad, which I actually heard got bad reviews, so I guess it's not a huge deal, but I had to literally go on where is Tenet available to see in the movie theaters.com or whatever, and it was nowhere in Cali. I would have had to All have right. gone to Nevada to watch it. Look, yeah, it's crazy. You and your mom hop on a flight, come out to Salt Lake. We got extra room. You can go yeah. back home with the virus as well, but we got open movie theater. You got open movie theater? See, yeah. I don't know how y'all have it in Arizona and Utah. Callie, you can't go to a movie theater if your life depended on it. Just, yeah. just stay down, man. And the crazy thing about Cali is it's like Cali the county, so it could be totally different. No yeah. doubt. All right. Well, enjoy, gentlemen. Enjoy with your kids. And uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I guess we'll reconvene before the New Year's over, right? Christmas is Friday. Yeah, yeah, So next Tuesday, we'll get in and we'll talk about the games and we'll do everything else. Follow us on all platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, all that good stuff, at the number two, Z-S-A-N-D-O-C. Two Z's and O-C. Until next time, gentlemen, enjoy the holidays. Holla! Merry Christmas. Bye. Two Z's and O.C. Uh, yeah, yeah, hey. Y'all know what it is. Two Z's and O.C. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. And a few inches, your players on the benches. The coaches start to huddle when you need a thirst quencher. O.C. throwing hands, one a million in the squad. Lorenzo hit the league, 15 years on the job. Made the pro Go nice Zachariah on the fadeaway. Represent the day to day struggle in the grind. Keep that hustle on your mind. We ballin' on the court. Read the signs of our times, whether cultural or politic. Chopping up the lotto pit. Get it poppin' partner when we weaving in and out of it. It's on topic and sing. Tell you what we think. Let the thoughts link. Let the truth sing. Yeah, yeah. Let the thoughts link. Yeah. Let the two say Two Z's and O.C. Welcome to the breakdown This is where the game found Analytics first Two Z's and O.C. Welcome to the breakdown This is where the game found Analytics first down First down